Welcome to the Trinity Church Aberdeen podcast, where you can listen to our most recent sermons. To find out more about who we are and what we believe, visit trinityaberdeen.org.uk. Would you please find your Bibles? And turn to Mark chapter 6. Perhaps two very famous stories we're going to read this evening, but may the Lord uh, speak to us through them fresh this evening. Starting at verse 30. The apostles returned to Jesus and told him all that they had done and taught. And he said to them, come away by yourselves to a desolate place and rest a while. For many were coming and going and they had no leisure even to eat. And they went away in the boat to a desolate place by themselves Now many saw them going and recognized them and they ran there on foot from all uh, the towns and got there ahead of them. When he went ashore, he saw a great crowd and he had compassion on them because they were like sheep without a shepherd. And he began to teach them many things. And when it grew late, his disciples came to him and said, this is a desolate place and the hour is now late. Send them away to go into the surrounding countryside and villages and buy themselves something to eat. But he answered them, you give them something to eat. And they said to them, shall we go and buy 200 denarii worth of bread and give it to them to eat? And he said to them, how many loaves do you have? Go and see. And when they found out, they said, five and two fish. Then he commanded them all to sit down in groups on the green grass. So they sat down in groups by hundreds and by fifties. And taking the five loaves and the two fish, He looked up to heaven and said a blessing and broke the loaves and gave them to the disciples to set before the people. And he divided the two fish among them all and they all ate and were satisfied. And they took up twelve baskets full of broken pieces and of the fish. And those who ate the loaves were five thousand men. Immediately he made his disciples get into the boat and go before him to the other side, to Bethsaida, while he dismissed the crowd. And after he had taken leave of them, he went up on the mountain to pray. And when evening came, the boat was out on the sea, and he was alone on the land. And he saw that they were making headway painfully, for the wind was against them. And about the fourth watch of the night, he came to them walking on the sea. He meant to pass by them. But when they saw him walking on the sea, they thought it was a ghost and cried out, for they all saw him and were terrified. But immediately he spoke to them and said, Take heart, it is I. Do not be afraid. And he got into the boat with them, and the wind ceased. And they were utterly astounded, for they did not understand about the loaves. But their hearts were hardened. When they crossed over, they came to the land at Gennesaret, and moored to the shore. And when they got out of the boat, the people immediately recognized him, and ran about the whole region, and began to bring the sick people on their beds to wherever they heard he was. 
And wherever he came, in villages, cities, or countryside, they laid the sick in the marketplaces and implored him that they might touch even the fringe of his garment. And as many as touched it were made well. These are God's words to us. Do take a look at your Bibles again and turn back to Mark chapter 6. Now, uh, often perhaps every day as we, we walk with Jesus, I wonder if there can feel sometimes to be a bit of a mismatch. A mismatch uh, between where we feel we, we should be in our life with Jesus and where we actually are with him. You know, like when you don't find the right gear when you're driving, you know, that, there's that kind of crunching uh, sound as they don't match right. You know, we, we, we long to be in a, in a place of deep communion with our Lord, don't we? Complete trust, knowing his grace, wash over us. Oh, may that be our, our daily bread. And, and yet often we struggle to pray. We, we get to the, the end of our day and we've realized uh, we've trusted ourselves, we've got fraught with stress, we, we, we beat ourselves up with guilt. It's this mismatch where we, where we could be and where we are. And there's a similar mismatch right here in our passage. If you just have a look down at 51 and 52. And Jesus got into the boat with them, that's the disciples, and, and the wind ceased and they were utterly astounded for they did not understand about the loaves, but their hearts were hardened. Did you hear it? The disciples responded first in fear and then in this kind of astonishment, this kind of disbelief, when it could have been very different. There was a mismatch between where they could have been and where they were. Why? For they did not understand. They they hadn't got what had happened with some bread, some loaves of bread. Just just before this moment, as we're going to see, they experienced something extraordinary. And if they'd understood, it would have changed everything. It would have eased that mismatch. They would have kind of let the gears slide together without a sound. Why? Because they had known who Jesus was. Not just intellectually, but in in real time. Because let's head back to verses 30 to 44 and get into what's actually being shown about who Jesus is. That's what this passage is about. And first Mark's asking the question, do you know who's feeding you? And then we'll come to the walking on the water and ask, do you know who's beside you? So firstly, do you know who's feeding you? Now the twelve, they've returned to Jesus, um, having been out on the mission field and they're knackered. They're they're done in, they're they're ready for a rest. And Jesus, their caring leader, what does he do? He puts them in a boat to find a quiet spot to rest. Verse 31, a desolate place. But across this, this small lake, their, their disappearance doesn't go unnoticed. You see that the crowds have spotted them, and so they, they race around and appear ahead of them. You can imagine the disciples kind of staring uh, from their boats in utter exhaustion, seeing this kind of swarm on the shore side of men and women moving around. And when they land, what extraordinary tenderness and compassion of our Saviour. Verse 43, when he went ashore, he saw a great crowd and he had compassion on them because they were like a sheep without a shepherd and he began to teach them many things. It's a beautiful moment, isn't it? A flock needing shepherding, lost, and their leaders have failed them, so he teaches them. In the midst of this desolate place, 
Uh, he gives them God's words. Now we know the story doesn't end there, don't we? It's, it's probably um, the afternoon and the disciples have uh, see that there's a problem on their hands. Okay, Thousands of people who, who've come on a whim, there's some rumbling tummies and there's no food. No burger van, there's no ice cream cellar. Now, Jesus here is in training mode. Not only is he teaching the crowd, but the disciples too. And he comes out with this fantastic response. He says, will you feed them? And you can see their eyes kind of popping out in that moment. That's, that's 200 denarii. That's, that's thousands of pounds, Jesus. What are you on? We don't have that kind of money. It's a massive amount of bread. Okay, There's 5,000 men there. That probably means there are women and children on top. Let's say 10,000 people. Okay? And if a loaf of bread, I've done the math, okay? if there's a loaf of bread has roughly 20 slices in it, one you get from the supermarket, okay? uh, if everyone has one slice each, that's 500 loaves of bread. Okay? That's, a, uh, that's, a, that's a lot. And we all know one piece of bread hardly scratches the surface. Okay? Um, and, or if we just had one piece of bread and we started sharing it out between us, even a group this size would get a, a tiny uh, morsel. What happens here is astounding, isn't it? Somehow, these thousands and thousands of people in this desolate place get a full meal. Bread and fish, they're full, they're satisfied, and there's food left over. Verse 41, and taking the five loaves and the two fish, he looked up to heaven and said a blessing and broke the loaves and gave them to the disciples to set before the people. And he divided the two fish among them all and they all ate and were satisfied. Okay, somehow as Jesus broke the bread, I don't know how, it kind of replicated, didn't it? Somehow atoms kind of came in and, and, and to make molecules to make bread and it just kept existing more and more. Uh, from virtually nothing. Now this is an astonishing miracle, isn't it? It's a miracle that shows uh, Jesus' compassion and it shows his power. What a moment. But there's more going on here. Okay, there's, there's a big reference to the past going on here that we mustn't miss. We need to look, look back on this moment with Old Testament eyes. That's what Mark's doing and he wants us to do the same. He's, he's got this incident and as he writes it for us, he's seen something more going on here. So as he writes, he gives us clues. He's saying, do you see what I see? As we look over the story, okay, imagine you're in the crowd eating some of the bread and the fish on the hillside. You're looking around you and you're starting to take in uh, what's going on. Now three times... Mark tells us they're in a desolate place, okay? Another way of saying a wilderness. A wilderness, interesting. Okay, let's, let's go on. Here are God's people, a huge crowd of them. And Mark gives us that little detail because they were like sheep without a shepherd. Now that's a phrase that's virtually identical to one in Numbers. It's where, where Moses is told he can't enter the promised land and has to install a Joshua, uh, Joshua so they have a shepherd, it's also like in Ezekiel when Israel's shepherds are hopeless and God says, you failed them. My, my sheep are shepherdless. I'm going to look after them. So the, these people, they're in the wilderness with a Moses-like, God-like leader. And then they're taught. They're given God's word, the law, like at Sinai. That they're given bread, manna from the man of heaven. God's people fed with the Bible and with bread. 
If you don't know the story, have a read another time in the book of Exodus and Numbers in the beginning of your Bible. But, but feel this moment. Look around. We've been here before. It's like being on a familiar TV set, but it's, it's not quite. A number of years ago, I, I was uh, in Australia and went to the residential street where Neighbours, uh, the TV show, was filmed. It's, in the program, it's called, it's called Ramsey Street, and it's this it's weird feeling. You're there, and it's like a TV set. You recognize it, and yet you kind of, this is actually a real street with real uh, people living on. Life is going on around you. That's a little picture of what's going on here. They would have felt like they were reenacting something and yet realizing, no, this is the real thing. We're actually being fed bread. We're in the Exodus drama, but it's new. Jesus is right here doing Exodus-like things in Exodus-like places. Mark's asking us, do you know who's feeding you? Do you get who's standing there in front of you feeding you? Because just breathe in who Jesus is. It was the Lord who gave his people the law on Mount Sinai. It was the Lord who gave his people from heaven, um, bread from heaven in the desolate wilderness. The man standing there in their midst, it's the Lord God, God incarnate, God in flesh, was standing on that shore with feet in the sand, holding grilled fish between his fingers, miraculously providing for people. And as he did so, he pointed to a greater exodus, a greater salvation. He wasn't just doing a nice trick. In doing this, he was pointing to something more wonderful. He wasn't just going to save his people from oppressors like Pharaoh. He was going to save them from sin itself, from the clutches of the devil accusing them. When did Jesus next break bread uh, like this? We get one more miracle in a few chapters' time, but then it's on the night of Passover. Wasn't it? on the last supper where he announced he is the bread feed on me he said this meal of bread on a hillside in Galilee pointed forward to a heavenly banquet rather than feeding for an afternoon he was going to feed us for an eternal lifetime now some people say this wasn't really a miracle it was just an ordinary man encouraging people to share the food they had already Not a bit of it. This was the divine saviour showing us he hasn't uh, come just to encourage us to be nice. He's come to rescue us. He's come to shepherd us, to rid us of sin, to free us from the devil, to bring us to himself. Do you know who's feeding you? Who have you come to meet this evening? You know, when, when you come to church on a Sunday to, to feed on Jesus Christ in your hearts by faith as you receive his word, as we have bread and wine together in the Lord's Supper, do you know who's feeding you? It's this Jesus. It's the Lord. It's the caring one who cared for his disciples to give them rest. The compassionate one whose heart went out to the crowds, even to those who would never follow him. The one who's come to save you and bring you to his eternal banquet. Do you know the one who's feeding you? Perhaps you're here this evening and you're tired. Not just physically uh, tired because of a late night, but you're tired deeply. The strains of life, the weight of sin, of grief. Perhaps you're feeling lost or hurting, I don't know. 
Come to this Jesus. Yes, he was a man walking around 2,000 years ago, but he is the same yesterday, today, and forever. His heart and his power are the same. He doesn't want to give you a morsel of bread today. He wants to give you himself. He wants you satisfied in him now and forever. Do you know who's feeding you? But then, verse 45, immediately... Jesus has got more for the disciples. He puts them into the boats and he sends them uh, to sea. And this passage, like before, keeps Jesus' identity front and center. And he's asking, do you know who's beside you? So again, the disciples, they're, they're at sea. And again, the wind picks up. Okay, it's tough sailing. It's not as bad as we saw in chapter four. But it's familiar, isn't it? We've been here before. And this time, Jesus is not with them. Verse 48, he saw them. And he comes to them, walking on the sea. This is another unimaginable miracle, isn't it? And there's this little detail. Do you notice the end of verse 48? He meant to pass them by. Now why? Well, perhaps again, he's in training mode. He's asking them, do you know who's beside you? Do you trust me now to do what's right? Will you pray? Will you seek me? Will you act in faith? But again, verse 49, no. They think he's a ghost. They cry out. They're terrified. Again, the disciples, they don't get it, do they? They've just experienced Jesus showing them he's God in their midst as he gave out bread in the wilderness. They've witnessed him before raise the dead. They've witnessed him calm storms, cast out legions of demons. Uh, There could have been a peace in this moment for them. Okay, yes, pain, yes, hardship, But a deep peace, knowing Christ was over and above this storm. They could have understood about the loaves. Now we often go with the kids to Crathers Castle. I don't know if some of you have been there. It's out on Deeside. And we go there often because there's a play park uh, in the woods. But just a bit further up the woods from the the play park, there's this high ropes course. Uh, You may have done something like that. You know, there's crazy long zip wires. There's... um, walks across rickety wooden structures high off the ground. And, and the first time your instructor with you says, you know, trust the rope, trust me, you know, it must still be pretty terrifying. I haven't done it, but I can imagine, you know, can I, will it, will it hold? I did have an extra pudding last night. Is that going to be too much for it? Um, but after the second, after the third go, we, we kind of split into two groups at that point, don't we? Some of us, we stay absolutely terrified. You know who you are. You're always fearing the tree's going to fall down, the world will fall apart. But some of us uh, realize that the ropes, the instructor, they're safe. Although it's still exhilarating, there's a peace. You, you just enjoy it. But here the disciples are in that first group. Even though they've seen it all, they're, they're still in fear mode. Jesus is asking, do you know who's beside you? Do you still not know But it's not only the past that should have sunk in. Even in the moment, Jesus is showing them more of himself. You know, firstly, this whole event, again, is exodus-like. Rather than feeding in the wilderness, Jesus is, is crossing the sea as if he's on dry land, like Israel crossing the Red Sea. Again, exodus-like. It's pointing to a greater exodus. Not just this land of Israel, but crossing into a place of resurrection and life. Jesus would take his his people safely across the waters of death itself. But also just notice, Jesus 
comforts them with who he is. Do you see that? Verse 50. But immediately he spoke to them and said, Take heart, it is I. Do not be afraid. What extraordinary words of comfort. Take heart. Take heart, don't be afraid. Yes, this is hard, but I'm here. I'm here. Now, now those words, it is I, in the, in the Greek, it's just two words. I am. I am. Take heart. I am. Do not be afraid. Now, it is I. It, it's a perfectly right translation. But I wonder if Jesus is saying more than that. Yes, it is I. But who is the I? It's I am. It's the name of the Lord God, the one who gave his name to Moses, the covenant Lord of his people. Take heart because I am. I am God, the one who is independent, fully alive, infinite in glory and power and love, who can walk over raging seas and and calm them in an instant. Isn't he glorious? But still the disciples do not see. They still don't understand because their hearts are hard. And they're not the only ones who don't get it. The crowds in verses uh, 53 to 56, they're pouring in for healing. But there's no hint of them actually coming for the healer. They want the blessings but not him. But verse 51, they were utterly astounded for they did not understand about their loaves but their, because their hearts were hardened. Do you know who's feeding you? Do you know who's beside you? Because understanding this, knowing this, experiencing this, it changes everything. Now for some of you here this evening, you are just like the disciples. You see it all. You've heard what Jesus did, but your heart is hard. That means you don't see you don't understand who he is. He's, he's a historical figure. He's impressive. He's interesting. But nothing more. But can I encourage you? More than that, can I urge you to come to Jesus? Now, we don't see him physically in the flesh, do we? But as God, by his spirit, you can still speak to him this evening. Come to him in trust. Okay, this isn't a man just for the weird. He isn't just a man for the academic or for the historian. No, he's a man for all because he deals with what all humans face. We face evil around us. We face sin. We face guilt and shame in our own hearts. We face hardships in the world around us pointing us to final death. These are experiences common to us all. But Jesus, he's the one who deals with them all. He's the God who came to die and rise to new life. None of them are too big for him. His death took our sin, defeated the devil, brought forgiveness for his people. His life changes us, it frees us, it gives us hope in eternal life. This is the true exodus. He's the shepherd who has compassion. He's the man who sees our distress and comes to us. He's a provider of deep spiritual nourishment and the karma of the storm. Come to the I am. Now for many of us here tonight, we know this Jesus. We've experienced his forgiveness. We, we know his love, his kindness. We're, we're not quite like the disciples here. And yet we know, we, we still know that frustration of that mismatch I mentioned at the beginning between where we could be and where we are. Well, Jesus is saying to us, 
let the truth of who I am sink in as you face all kinds of experiences. From the, the hunger on the hillside to the sinking in the storm. Because it's only as we let who he is inhabit our hearts will we trust him. I think it's his glorious power over the big things that will change how we face the smaller ones. You know, Christ, he's taking his people through the wilderness to the promised land. He's bringing his people home. He's getting rid of our great enemies of sin, Satan and death. Nothing stands in his way. Nothing can separate from his love. Death has no sting and no victory. Christ is risen indeed. And it's as we let that sink in can we approach life's tussles and pains. We can hear those words, take heart, it is I. Do not be afraid. And we can believe them. As some of you know, I'm about to, to face another big surgery in a couple of weeks. And this question is for me, like, do I know who's feeding me? Do I know who's beside me? Is it the one who's conquered death for me? Who's compassionate and patient with me? You know, will we trust him? Will I trust him? Perhaps you are in the storm at the moment. I don't know. Do you know who's beside you? He's the one who fed his people in the wilderness and in Galilee with himself. He's the one who crossed the waters of death for you. Today, we trust him. Today, he's our daily bread, isn't he? Now, that doesn't mean there's no doubts or heartaches. It doesn't mean there are no tears or cries in the night. But it means as we come to him, we find peace, not terror. And what's amazing about this story is the way Jesus doesn't just give us one shot and then expect us to get it with the dustbin. You know, after the disciples didn't get it on the waves, he didn't say, right, I've had enough of you. Last chance, enough's enough, see you later. No, he takes them on, he healed some more people before them, he taught them more, He, he, he led them like a shepherd towards knowing them. Now that, that is both a wonderful truth and a scary one. Okay? It, this means in your life and mine, Jesus is leading us further and further into a deeper knowledge of him. Isn't that wonderful? Isn't that incredible? The great I am is using both his, his word and his providence to bring us to him, to a deeper and richer knowledge of him. He meets us as we spend time in scriptures. He he shapes us as we live our lives. But that may also take twists and turns we weren't ready for. You know, the disciples probably thought after the storm of chapter 4, they weren't going to get another in chapter 6. But yet Jesus is there beside us. We just keep holding on. So just as we finish, I want, I want us to imagine what it looks like to trust Jesus Christ even as you get home from church uh, this evening. You know, perhaps it's just a moment of prayer for, a, for an ill relative knowing Christ has power over death. Maybe it, it's a moment of forgiveness. It's letting go of bitterness of someone close to you, trusting that Jesus will hold all to account and is, he loves mercy in our lives. Perhaps it's just taking a moment to acknowledge him. You haven't prayed in a long, long time, perhaps afraid of what's inside. But trust 
Jesus is the compassionate shepherd. He's leading his sheep to green pastures, even through the valley of the shadow of death. But he is with us, feeding us, beside us. What a glorious King and Saviour. Amen.